It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This week on Sox Degrees, we are joined by Gavin Sheets. And I want to know first, when Gavin Sheets desi- uh, decided he was going to be a baseball player? Oof, from a really young age. Uh, you know, it was something that I always loved to do. I, I obviously grew up basically in a baseball family. Um, my dad said his proudest moment was with four, four of my five months old. I he handed me a bat upside down, a little wiffle ball bat, and I turned around and held it by the handle. Um, and he said from that point, he's he's like, man, was I excited to see that. So, um, you know, even before I can remember, I think that baseball was always in my blood and uh, something that I always just wanted to do. And luckily growing up, played it my whole life. And um, I, I had a sister that was 10 years older than me, and she would play field hockey, and I had to go to every game. And I would just throw a ball around and hit hit wiffle balls all over the place while she was playing. So that's kind of where I learned to get it going. Like in the stands? Like what were you doing at her game? She's trying to play, bud. So there was a big field, and then there's um, just like a little field next to it. And some of the the parents said that they enjoyed watching me just walk over there and hit baseballs back and forth, and they did watching the game. Um, But I would just do that. It was either that or golf. I I would just – I'd be peppering balls in the corner and hoping they didn't get in the field. <laughs> so your your dad um, was so proud of you, and I know we'll talk about your, your return to Baltimore a little later, but um, in talking to him, and maybe it's a better question for him, did he want you to be a baseball player, or did it not matter to him whether you became interested in the sport or not? So I think that helped grow my love for the game. Um, he didn't care. You know, it was it was completely my decision. Uh, actually, funny story, when I was in eighth grade, he had just taken over the job as the varsity baseball coach in my school. And, you know, I, I was not very good at baseball at the time. And, you know, he was worried that I was playing it just because of him. And he pulled me aside. We were coming back from a tournament. I think I was like, oh, for 12. And he was like, hey, he's like, don't think that you have to do this because of me. Um, you know, at the time, I was probably better at golf than I was baseball. He said, if you want to play golf in high school, if you want to go you know, go ahead and go continue that career or something. He's like, it's, he's like, whatever makes you happy. And, you know, at the time I was like, you know, I really appreciate it. But I was also like, man, this is our varsity baseball coach telling me to play golf. So, you know, it was kind of twofold at the time, but um, no, he was, he was always supportive of whatever I wanted to do. And uh, I think that helped grow the love for me because I've seen a lot of guys, you know, get burnt out by just too much pressure from their parents or, um, you know, especially when he played in the big leagues to just to have that understanding and um, just support along the way. What is your first memory of being at a big league ballpark? Whew. Probably. I don't know what age I was, but Camden Yards, I was there. We were there all the time, um, whether it was, you know, he would hit to the sponsors if Under Armour came to the field or something. He'd come out and hit fly balls to the guys and. You know, I would just be running around shagging balls during BP and, um, 
those are the days I remember. That's 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 what I remember the most growing up. You know, it wasn't necessarily the games, but it was just seeing kind of him at, interacting with fans and not fully understanding what was going on, but just seeing the excitement that people had. Um, I, I thought that was the coolest thing ever, getting to go to that or getting to go to Fan Fest with him um, and just sitting next to him. That was that was the memories I remember growing up um, and what I thought was always the coolest part. We're going to take a look at you at Camden Yards here. Terrorizing the fence. This one high and deep to right field. Santander out of room. And the local product. How about that? How'd that feel? Man, that was uh that was an incredible night. Um and where he was sitting when I got to cross home, he was like the first person I saw. And you know, I, he doesn't show much emotion, and he was that was the most emotion I think I've ever seen him show. And uh that was really cool. That was cool for all of us, cool for the whole family. We just saw you as you crossed home. You kind of snuck a look at him, didn't you? Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, I was looking right at him, and uh, that was just an awesome moment for for the entire family. So some people, when they're growing up, like me, who wasn't from a baseball family, we have like Uncle Mike come over and like a couple of cousins. Who were the? Because I know he was sitting in Cal's seats. Yeah. Who were the people who came over and you're like, oh, Uncle Cal's over today? Who were those people? <laughs> so, um, yeah, Cal was Cal was always, you know, I, I grew up being around him. Um, he was always around. Uh, I hate to name drop people, um, but I'm asking you to. You can tell people that I forced you into it. <laughs> please um, name drop, and we'll pick them up later. Eddie Eddie Murray, I got to spend a lot of time with. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Cal was the biggest Cal was always, because I was really close with his son. Um, you know, his son's one of my best friends and still to this day, as we talk all the time, we, actually he's in Norfolk. We played against him in Norfolk and, um, Cal just through this whole process, through COVID process, you know, being able to work out with Ryan and, and him kind of take us both and throw to us and work with us. And, um, I mean, he's a busy man and he's, he's taking a lot of time out to help me and he's been extremely supportive of me and um was one of the first people to reach out when i when i got the call so yeah he was he was always awesome and he coached my high school team with my dad so um i can say that he was one of our high school coaches <laughs> gavin what is the uh benefit of having grown up knowing big league players i'm sure it's in some ways difficult to quantify it right but is there an aura? Is there a presence that these guys had that had an impression on you and how has that instructed you as now a big league player. Absolutely. I mean, you know, at the time you don't think about it as a kid, you know, I never thought about Cal as, you know, Iron Man or a Hall of Famer when I was around him. And, you know, I, I think that's kind of how I grew up and that's, that's helps in the clubhouse. You know, the first time in 2017, when I got to, you know, meet the big league guys, it was never like, man, this is so cool. Or, you know, it just kind of felt like it was, it was natural. And, um, you know, I think that helps a lot when the first call up and to be around the guys and just kind of understand one, one, I know how to act around them. You know, it's not like when you come up as a rookie, you're the last thing you want to do is be the loudest in the room or, you know, bringing attention to yourself. And um, yeah, I think that comes from the upbringing. It's just knowing how to handle yourself. And, you know, it's something about each, each one of those guys, you know, Cal and Eddie, they're just their professionalism that stands out to me. Um, you know, they know how to be a professional. They know how to just see them interact with fans. And 
Um, I, I think it's more, you know, not the baseball side of things, but just kind of how to handle yourself that I learned um, growing up. What's the best piece of advice your dad has ever given you as a baseball player? Always be yourself. Never change who you are because of, you know, one, your teammates, one, because of the situation, like a, a bigger situation. He's like, when you get to the big leagues, you know, never change what got you here. Um, you know, don't become a bigger person because you you have more, you know, fame or you're in the big leagues now. He's like, never do that because people will see right through that. And, uh, you know, it was never, it was never baseball advice. It was always kind of how to handle your life, how you live, live, your, live, live your life. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that holds true. What are the things that are you that you are keeping the same actively? Like, what is Gavin Sheets to make sure that he stays him? Uh, you know, I like to have fun. That's the biggest thing for me. Um, every every level I play that when I'm not when I take the game too serious or um, you know get down on myself, beat myself up. That's that's when I'm not at my best and. Uh, that's what I've tried to do here, and it, it's a really, really easy to do it here because you, you have guys like T.A. and Billy and, and Hosey, and, I mean, it's it, this this clubhouse couldn't fit me any better. Um, you know, we have so much fun, and it's – if you told me when I first came up that, you know, within my first three weeks I would feel like just at home with these guys and feel like I've been here the whole year, you know, I don't think I would have believed you, but this is – and it's a testament to why we're in first place and, and, you know, rookies like myself have been able to come up and contribute because guys here are awesome. I mean, we just, it's, it's, it's a brotherhood and um, you get brought in immediately. How close were you to the brotherhood of the PGA tour instead of major league baseball? <laughs> I'm for, I, I don't think I ever gave it a, a good enough shot. Um, I love golf though. It's, I love playing in the off season. Um, it's, it's still one of my, my loves and, uh, never gave it a full run though. <laughs> you thought about it? Do you think about it? I thought about playing in high school. Um, I thought I, I knew I was a pretty good player and, um, man, I, I, I would have dreamed like winning a master's or something would still be one of the coolest things ever. Um, but no, I, I, I think baseball is my calling. <laughs> How is how is golf Gavin different from baseball Gavin? I feel like I'm more serious on a golf course. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, which is probably why I do worse on the golf course than I do on the baseball field. <laughs> <laughs> but um a lot of similarities. Um, you know, I love to talk smack on the golf course. That's that's one of the fun parts about it, but the competitiveness is the same. I mean, if it's if it's golf or baseball, I'm going to try to win, and uh, you know that's that's not going to change on the depending on the sport. There, are you a club thrower? It sounds like the way you're talking. It sounds like you're a club thrower. <laughs> no, not a club thrower, luckily. But I've I've seen some good ones. <laughs> Have you really? Any okay. anybody you wanna you wanna say that that you've seen? Oh, I've seen my dad chuck it a pretty good ways. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I think. I think he would get more frustrated in golf than baseball too, but I don't know. He, he, he was a little more fiery than I was when he played. So um, it might be the same for golf and baseball. <laughs> you know, we probably have buried the lead here, Gavin. Were, were you le a lefty from birth or uh, did, did pop say, 
you're going to be a left-handed thrower because you might end up being Randy Johnson or something. <laughs> I think I was lefty from birth, and uh, I don't think he minded that one bit at all. Um, obviously, he hit lefty but threw righty. But yeah, I, I was lefty from birth. You know, he was he was always saying, "Man, I've got a trunk of gloves and all this stuff that you can't even use because you're a lefty." <laughs> so, so we'd be going to Dick's to get our gloves. <laughs> That's great. And off the tee. I'm guessing you're pretty big, uh, uh, pretty big off the tee on the golf course. Can be as long as it's straight. Um, it, sometimes it gets longer and then starts going a little bit wayward. But <laughs> I, I try to hit it. Try to hit it a good ways. Like what kind of distance are we talking about? Probably three thirty, three hundred to three thirty. Yeah, that'll play. <laughs> uh, who's the best foursome you've been in for golf? Mm. That's a tough question. Um, man. We ask only the tough questions here yes. on Sox Degrees. I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, you know, maybe my, my dad and Joe Flacco was a good one, and then I, I can't remember the fourth. I can't remember who the fourth was in that, but Joe Flacco was a pretty cool guy. Um that was when he was in the middle of his run with the, the Ravens going to the Super Bowls. And uh, what an awesome guy he was. But they always did growing. I mean, part of growing up in a baseball house, I got to do some cool stuff. And my dad was always in the uh, birds versus birds. So they do an Orioles versus Ravens golf tournament. And, of course, I'd find my way to, to sneak in the bag or, <laughs> or do something to get there. So whatever it took, if the guys needed water or anything, I, I'll be there. Let me know. Um, so what other Ravens did you hang around with? Matt Stover was really close with our family. Um, he was, you know, he was a, a strong faith guy and we went to church with him and, um, what an incredible guy he was just, um, as down to earth and as nice as you could be. Uh, I'd, I'd say he's probably the, the number one guy that we were around. Um, not too many Ravens we grew up with. What, uh, what did Flacco tell you? Do you remember anything you talked about? He was – so when, when I talked to him, he was just talking about baseball because he loved baseball. He grew up pitching. Um, I think he threw upper 90s in, in, at Delaware. And uh, all he wanted to talk about was baseball. And I, I was like, I'm all for it, whatever you want to, whatever you want to talk about, Joe. And, uh, I mean, this guy was – I think it was the year after he won the, the Super Bowl and – you know, I'm trying to talk about that. He keeps asking me baseball questions. I'm like, come on, can we, can we talk about the important stuff? <laughs> I want to talk about the Super Bowl. <laughs> but um, just an awesome guy. And, you know, to come from a small school like Delaware and then um, obviously have the pressure of, you know, not many people knowing who he was out of the draft and um, the way he handled it and just a true pro. So I want to go back to um... – when you came up for the second time and so you make your debut on the 29th uh, against Minnesota. And I, I, I'm sure Jason thought this. I did. I looked at the schedule and I said, he's got to be here when we go to Baltimore. And now that it's come and it's passed and, and you had the great weekend in your hometown, it had to be on your mind a little bit, right? When you came up, I mean, I know you're trying to make your big league debut and hang around, but had to be something back there going off. Oh, can I just be here for the next 11 days? <laughs> it, without a doubt. Um, I mean, I was trying so hard not to think about it. it just whatever I could do to not think about Baltimore. Um, 
but man, I, I wanted to get there so bad, <laughs> you know, just, just trying to, you know, making the debut. Um, I didn't realize we were going to Baltimore when I first came up, I, you know, my focus was the farthest thing from, from, you know, a week or two weeks away. And, um, getting to, to when we played Minnesota, we finished that series and then uh, we went to Detroit and they're talking about our road trip and then going to Detroit to Minnesota to Baltimore. I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're going to Baltimore. And then they're like, and then that's going to lead right into all-star break. I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're, we're I'm going to have a Baltimore and all-star break too. I was like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, yeah, every day would go by. And I would be like, okay, we're one day closer, or one day closer, we're one day closer. I was like, don't think about it though, but but we're one day closer. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but just to get there, I mean, you know, my family in the off season would always say, wow, how cool would it be to, you know, they looked at when we would come to Baltimore, how cool would it be to be at Baltimore that weekend? And I was like, well, we've got a long way to go to get there, but man, that would be cool. <laughs> and uh, man, just when we finally landed there, and I took my bags off the bus and, and got into the hotel, it was like. It was kind of like a breath of relief. I was like, man, we, I'm here. I'm, I'm actually here. I can actually, you know, think about this, enjoy this. Um, because my family was trying to, you know, what, what night are we going to come to? What, and then more people are telling me they're going to come to this game. I'm like, well, I just hope I'm at that game too. So, you know, I, I would never, I never tried to set anything up or uh, I just kind of pushed off everything until I landed in Baltimore. And then, you know, obviously just a, a huge relief to get there. And then I just started to enjoy it. When you went into spring training this year, and I think, you know, fans need to know that you guys know the landscape, right? You know that Jose Abreu was the MVP last year. He's not going anywhere. Um, You knew that this roster was pretty stacked. You knew that there were a lot of really good outfielders. You knew that there were plenty of DH options. However, you also, I'm sure, thought, I think I belong here. And when I get here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make an impact. What was your mindset kind of going into spring training, knowing that you were going to probably start, you know, in the minor leagues to begin the year and then how this season would go? Yeah, that's, that's exactly how it was. You know, I knew that I knew it wasn't going to be easy. Um, put it like that. I knew that there were pieces that were in place that were going to stay in place no matter what. And um, that, went all the way back to the COVID season, knowing that, hey, Jose's at first base. You know, this is before he even won the MVP. It didn't matter if he won the MVP or not. He's not leaving. He's not going anywhere. I mean, he's this, he's the statue of our lineup. And, um, you know, what can I do to make myself versatile to play on this team? And, you know, the biggest thing for me is I knew I was a left-handed bat. I knew that we needed that. I knew that that would help our lineup. Um so I was like, how can I get my bat into the lineup? And you know, I never really thought about DH because, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm way too young to be a permanent DH. So I wanted to find a way to, you know, how can I help this team offensively and defensively? So it was it was to go to the outfield. And, you know, I knew I needed to make some transitions with my body and, and, you know, prove to them that I could play there. And then that was my goal when I first got to spring training was, one, prove that I can play here offensively because I think that's the most important part to, to get to the lineup. And then two is show that I can play the outfield and show that, you know, the work I put in over the last season when they didn't see me for a year was, you know, wasn't for a waste. And, um, you know, those were my two main goals. And I knew I probably wasn't going to break camp with the team. And so that wasn't, you know, it wasn't about that to where, hey, I didn't break camp, so it didn't work. No, it was, you know, give a good impression, 
show them that I can that I can play here, show them what I can do, and then uh, you know go to Charlotte and and try to get there as soon as possible. And that was always the goal along uh, all along. And um, you know, obviously, I would have never expected you know the injuries and stuff that happened this year. But um, you know, our job is to be ready to go at any point, and that's to put have have them have faith in me in February that to get to this point. That's that's what it's all about. What was 2020 like for you from purely a baseball perspective? Obviously, it was challenging personally for everybody. But just from a baseball perspective, how do you put 2020 now into context? At the time, it was awful. At the time, there was a lot of anger. Um, you know, I to when I wasn't invited to the alternate site, there was a lot of questioning of what was going on, of what, you know, what my role was in this organization. Um, it was super frustrating. But, you know, I think that that fuel kind of pushed me to get to where I am now. You know, I don't know if I go to the alternate site and I play first base the whole time and I don't become a better athlete and I don't do this and do that, you know, maybe I'm not here right now in, in this situation. So as frustrating as it was a year ago for me, looking back on it, you know, it was a godsend. It, it was clearly, you know, put in place to, to make the adjustments I needed to make. And um, yeah, at the time I, I, I wasn't the happiest person in the world, but uh, you know, come, come February to see where I, I had gotten to and, you know, to look back at the work put in, it was okay. This was, God did this for a reason. So um, yeah, so I can give a much better, a much happier review of, of last year right now than I could at the time. <laughs> we found out on the first episode of this year program that Rick Hahn gets his anger out by throwing laundry baskets across his uh, bedroom in his home when the Sox are trailing on the road. How does Gavin Sheets uh, produce his anger into something physical? Like, what do you do when you're mad? When I'm mad, it's, either straight to the golf course uh straight to straight to the gym or you know i'm a big outdoorsman so i love to i love to hunt i love to fish and so you know to kind of hunting isn't even about the the sports to me it's just kind of about getting out there and being alone with your thoughts and you know getting out in the woods and you know just just kind of being away from everything and um you know i did a lot of that in the fall and the, and the summer last year and yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. Um, either one, just I just go do something you love and, and kind of get away from everything. And that's that's what I like to do. So um, when you're an angry golfer, are you a better golfer or a worse I'm, golfer? I'm a worse golfer because the little things make me even matter. It's like, you know, I come here and trying to get feel better about everything. And, you know, I hit a bad shot and next thing I know I'm getting madder and angrier on the golf course. I'm like, this did not do what I wanted it to do. <laughs> hey, I, having spent 10 years doing radio in the minor leagues, I know that there are some days where you're on a bus ride to Gwinnett County, Georgia, or to Toledo or Jacksonville or wherever it is where you're like, seriously, what am I doing right now? Like, I, I I know that happens to players. It happened to me, certainly. Uh, when you feel like there's a roadblock in your way mm -hmm. while you're in the minors, 
how did you make sure to maintain your focus? Like, what did you lean on to make sure that you were gaining from every game instead of giving stuff away? Yeah, I did two things. Um, mentally, when I would go through that, I, I leaned on my faith. That was, you know, huge for me. Um, that kept me through it because there's a lot of times where you're just super frustrated. Um, you know, then you start to kind of when that frustration creeps into becoming, you know, making you a different person or changing your personality. Um, that's when, you know, I, I lean on my faith heavy through that. You know, there's, there's always times where exactly as you said, you're just, man, what am I doing here? What is, is this? Is this worth it? Is this really, you know, this is our fifth bus trip in a row. Um, you know, there's music blaring in here. It's 2 a.m. I want to go to sleep. Like, I'm over my last 15. Is this, is, is, there's got to be, I mean, a nine to five can't be that bad. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I lean on my faith heavy for that. And, you know, just, I, I just tried to find the things I loved about baseball. Um, you know, whether it was, you know, being with my teammates or, you know, just something in the clubhouse. It was like, just, just find the small positives, um, the find the things, you know, think about, I would think about what I would miss about baseball and then I would start to enjoy that again. Okay. You know, if I, if I, you know, I never thought about, I never thought about quitting or anything. I, I never got to that point, but you know, it was like, if, if, if I left baseball, what would I miss? And then I started thinking about it and you're like, okay, you know, enjoy that tomorrow. Enjoy that piece about it. Enjoy being with your club, your teammates, enjoy, you know, and try to enjoy this bus ride, make it fun, do something fun on here. Um, it was stuff like that. I mean, that's just goes back to what I was saying when, you know, when I'm not enjoying myself and, and having fun, it, it just changes the way I look at things. And so that's why at all times I try to look at the positives and, and, you know, make the most of every situation. I don't think any of the three of us probably would love a nine to five, but <laughs> if, if you had to do a nine to five, what, what would be your interest? Well, it wouldn't really be a nine to five, but I would love to be um, a college coach. I think that, you know, I, I think coaching would be a lot of fun. Um, I, I, would, I would really enjoy that, you know, to go back to Wake Forest or, or something like that and, you know, start as an assistant coach and um, work the way up. I think that's, that's kind of, I, I'd love to do that after baseball. Um, you know, I just think that baseball has become such a big piece of my life that, you know, I would, I, I would want to be around it and then, you know, help younger guys just from, you know, my experiences and um, just being around the college clubhouse again and, and doing that. And um, uh, yeah, I think that, that would be, that would kind of be the next thing. Uh, first of all, is there anything worse than music at two in the morning when you're trying to sleep on a minor league bus? <laughs> there's, there's nothing worse. I mean, <laughs> The amount of times I thought about throwing a stereo out the window, I I didn't know what the fine would be. Uh, I think some people would love it, but <laughs> it is. It's never like Hotel California either. It's um, like hard drum riffs and like loud guitar. It's it's always the loudest, worst music played at two a.m. Yeah, I mean it's it's never it's never something that's like man, I can go to sleep to this. It's it's the complete opposite. You, you mentioned your college experience. Uh, we have Winston-Salem, North Carolina in common. Why did you end up going to Wake Forest? So my whole life I wanted to play in the ACC. 
Um, I grew up just fan of UNC, UVA. Um, you know, those were always, I never really wake, but I just wanted to play in the ACC. That was for some reason that I just had that tunnel vision. And, um, you know, Maryland, I think it was to help that Maryland was close to me and I could go see a bunch of ACC games there, but then they left and went to the Big Ten. And, um, you know, it came down to UNC and Wake Forest. And UNC growing up was, I mean, everything in my closet was was Carolina blue and dark blue. I mean, everything had UNC on it. And that was such a hard decision. But, you know, after going to Wake, being on the campus, meeting the coaches, just seeing, you know, what they had planned for coming in the future in terms of buildings that they were building and, and you know, just the excitement that they had and what they thought was about to happen there. Um, I loved it. I fell in love with the school, um, the university, and just the atmosphere there. And so, honestly, it became a no-brainer. So I chose Wake, and, man, I, I couldn't have been happier. I just – my experiences there with the coaches and the school itself, and um, – I couldn't have had a better fit. And then, you know, obviously by my junior year, we were, you know, competing to get to Omaha. We were a game away. And so, you know, to, to just see that all happen from, you know, the time I was there my freshman year when we didn't even make the ACC tournament to my junior year being, you know, number 10 in the country, that was, uh, that was awesome. So you had Carolina stuff in your closet. Are you, were you Carolina football, Carolina basketball, Carolina baseball? Like where – where did your mind go when it came to Carolina? Who were your heroes? Straight to basketball. Yeah, um, I figured. Yeah, I had Hansbro's jersey. I mean, I grew up and I can still remember went to the ACC tournament every year, and it was usually in D.C. And man, I was decked out. <laughs> so I, I love those guys. Felt when Felton and Mays and all those guys were on the team together when they won the national championship. I was jumping up and down and. Um, yeah, it was always straight to basketball, which I think made the decision a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, Tyler Hansborough was as hardworking and dedicated of a guy, it seemed like, to the game that he played as anybody I've seen. Absolutely. Um, you know, just watching him play and feeding off his just energy. And I'll never forget the bloody nose game when he kept playing and it was all over his jersey. And I don't think anybody will forget that one. And, um, you know, I just... I think he was one of those guys that was just self-made. You know, he his hard work is the reason that he got to where he was. And, um, yeah, it was it was awesome to watch. Did you ever meet him? No, I didn't, unfortunately. We need to make that happen. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, Jason, Jason's the connector. Um, <laughs> you, you, you've kind of lived a charmed baseball life in, in the sense that uh, played in the Carolina League, you played in Charlotte. <laughs> you know, you kind of have that uh, – that ACC vibe in the minor leagues. And then we talked about your trip to Baltimore, you know, two weeks into your, your major league career. It's kind of fun. Man, when I, when I, I didn't realize that I had gone to some Winston-Salem games, but I didn't realize that they were the White Sox. And uh, my first year when I got to Annapolis and they were talking about, man, you're going to be in Winston next year. I was like, oh my gosh. So I, I, I got to go, I was there and showed up in April and my whole senior class was at Wake. So it was like I came back for my senior year. It was – it couldn't have worked out any better. And then, you know, obviously Charlotte is incredible. Um, you know, Charlotte is kind of where everybody from Wake moves to after they're done there. So it's it's like Wake 2.0 in Charlotte. And um, But what an incredible stadium. 
that they have there. And yeah, just to be in North Carolina and feel like you're at home the whole time was, was really nice. What was it like? I just want to know real quick. What was it like having all your knucklehead friends come into your game? <laughs> and it was, it, it was hilarious. It, it was cool to see, um, you know, our Winston Salem team and, and those guys get along and like hang out and just see the two worlds collide. But, I'll never forget it was a thirsty Thursday and, you know, I'm in the dugout. We just came off the field and, um, you know, they're doing the Macarena dance or something. And they got like, you dress up like a Hulu dancer and come on the field. And I look out and I've got two of my buddies on the field doing the Macarena. And, and I'm, I mean, some of the guys in our team knew them and we're friends with, they're dying laughing. I'm, I'm like, man, I need to get in the clubhouse. So I got to get out of here. <laughs> but yeah, just, just stuff like that was so much fun. I mean, just to see them on the field having a blast, it was – oh, man, I'll never forget that. Did they heckle you during games? Oh, absolutely. I felt like I was in a away game sometime. I'm like, guys, you guys are supposed to be my friends. You're supposed to be on my side. And getting yelled at from the stands left and right. <laughs> uh, Gavin, who did you face in the minor leagues at any level uh, who's now in the big leagues and who you thought, this guy's going to be a really good pitcher? Huh. <sighs> A lot of guys. Uh, <laughs> I would say, I'm trying to think who we just faced. Alcala. I, I played against him a lot um, from Minnesota. He was a starter with the Astros first. Um, JB Bukakis is in the big leagues with the Diamondbacks now. Uh, man, this weekend we got some guys, Perdomo, I faced. Um, Devin Williams from Milwaukee, the, the reliever, the first year I saw him was the first weekend at double A and he kept throwing me that change up. And this was before people really knew about what he had. And I mean, I kept coming in like, I don't know what this guy's throwing, but that pitch is not like any other pitch I've ever seen. And like, it's just a change up. And I'm like, I'm telling you that pitch is different than any pitch I've ever seen. And sure enough, you know, a year later he's winning rookie of the year and they're talking about his Bugs Bunny change up that he throws. And I'm like, I knew it. <laughs> I knew he had something different because that, that is not like anything I've ever seen. Um, but I think that's the cool thing about the minor leagues is, you know, you, you go up every level and you just continue to see some of the same guys, you know, climb with you. And then um, getting to play in the fall league and just seeing that talent there and just seeing it all around the league now is um, it's really cool. And uh, it's cool to go up with guys and just continue to compete against them. Uh, you're leading us right into uh, what is your signature moment in the big leagues at this point. Uh, Brian Gailey, if you would like to um, play the highlight after you struck out on two Barrios change-ups, uh, the third at bat, you ended up uh, winning the fight and winning the game. Goodwin at third, Vaughn at second. Here's the pitch. Sheets with a blast to right. It's gone! White Sox win it! It was never in question. Gavin Sheets on a 3-1 fastball. He let it go. That's why Tony La Russa let his kids play tonight. He had faith. He is being mobbed at home plate. They just dumped the entire Gatorade bucket on his head. And if he survives this, <laughs> he's going to be a happy man. He absolutely massacred one to right. And the Sox win the game 5-3. to three. Oh, did they need that? What a great... <laughs>
So you got that. You got the absolute heck beat out of you at home plate. I'm glad yeah. you survived it. Oh man, that, <laughs> I loved every second of it. <laughs> so yeah, so that, tell us, tell us about the the, the at bat after the first two at bats, knowing that you know uh, uh, Barrios has that change up in his back pocket, but you got into a favorable count. Yeah, I think that was the that was the biggest thing for me was getting into a favorable count. Um, you know, I had the first time I faced him, I had success off him. Second time was second in Minnesota was a little different. He started mixing things up. And then um, that night he went back to his changeup. And I just felt like I was just getting pitches. I was swinging at pitches that I couldn't do damage on. And that was my goal going into that at bat. Um, you know, obviously when I first got on the plate, it was first and second. And I knew he was going to go to that changeup to try to get a ground ball double play. Um, so the biggest thing for me was just saying, I just got to raise the zone a little bit. Everything I chased was down in the zone. Um, I was trying to hit a fly ball there, that hole at bat. But then, I, you know, obviously when it got to second and third, after he bounced that slider, you know, the bat even shifted to where, okay, like I want to drive a pitch in the air. Like ground balls here will not do a job. You know, the infield was in. And, uh, you know, luckily got to 3-1 and still wasn't convinced on a heater but I was just looking I just raised the zone and I said you know what if it's a change up or heater I'll try to drive the change up I was thinking left center with the, the fastball and and pull the change up in the air but luckily that just took my hands to the inside heater and and got a hold of it Jason's call What's was it? pretty good too by the way and he he forced us to play my call but uh, Jason nailed it too between the two of you, those were two of the best. I was getting tagged in, in your guys' calls, and man, that was both of you guys. Watching the rookie hype. sheets. And Gavin Sheets lights it up. Deep right field. Everybody go home. First you guys. walk off for Gavin Sheets. You guys killed And the Sox are winners. First of all, I just I became a bouncer very quickly. Like you oh. can't stay here. Everybody leave. <laughs> GTFO. <laughs> yeah, you guys, uh, I don't know how you two prepare for those moments, but you guys didn't miss a beat on those. Well, here's here. I have a question for you because there were a lot of Gatorade coolers that came around. Zach just did that to you if you're watching on the, on the video feed. Yeah. Uh, I didn't notice until we watched it here that Abreu was the one that took the top off the cooler and made it into a hat. Yeah. Uh, what is it like in the middle of one of those mob scenes? You just you just kind of stand there and just wear it all. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's freezing cold, the all of it. But it's, I mean, you have so much adrenaline going that it doesn't matter what they pour on you or what they hit you with. You won't even feel it. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what it was like. <laughs> Can you pick out individual people in that? Like, do you see what individuals are doing, or is it just humanity? It's. Yeah, looking back on it, I could kind of remember. I, I I remember seeing Giolito, I think, was going just wild. And uh, seeing him and I think Rodon were together, they were going, yeah, Gio's, you can see him in the back. He was the first, he was kind of the guy I was facing. And uh, that's the fun part is just seeing the excitement that all those guys bring. Um, you know, obviously they. You know, they weren't even they, – they, they had nothing to do with that game, but just the excitement that they knew what it, it meant for our team overall. Um, you know, Keiko and those guys, you can just see them all right there. It's just – that's the fun part is just, you know, this whole process, it's been, you know, we're all in it together. And um, just the excitement that each one of us have for each other when something good happens is, you know, that's, that's the culture of a first-place team. Um, it's nothing about 
it's nothing about individual stats or, or anything. It's just about, you know, the biggest thing for us that day was, you know, we didn't lose both doubleheaders or both, both games. And that was, you know, that mood swing right there because from a day where you come off a incredible series against the Astros and then all of a sudden you're looking up at the board and you're like, we might win we might lose two in a row here to the twins, you know, the next day. And there wasn't a lot of energy there, but that moment, you know, when Goody got the first hit and then Vaughn got hit, it was like, all right, we're back in this game. It's like all the energy just started to come back from the weekend. And then uh, to top it off like that was, you know, just huge for us going for the rest of the week. All right. I have one last question, but it's a two-parter. Andrew Vaughn, uh, I noted when you came up, you know, the fact that you're in the outfield talking with Andrew Vaughn about playing the outfield is pretty cool because he's become such a good outfielder. So that's kind of mind blowing, I'm sure, for you, considering you guys were infielders <laughs> not too long ago. Um, and then secondarily, Gavin, when I talk to veterans about imparting advice to younger players, generally the consensus is the younger player needs to go to the veteran player first. So, um, the Vaughn question first, and then secondarily, what is it like for you when you talk to veteran players? Are you pretty aggressive in asking guys for advice? First thing with the Vaughn thing is, I mean, I I know exactly to, to know what he's been going through this whole year, doing the same thing, and just to seeing the way that he's adjusted to the outfield and, um, you know, playing out there. And I'll never forget the first game when we were both out. We, we've texted in Charlotte, and we're like, man, can – you know, can we imagine an outfield with both of us in it and someone in center? And we we're just always laughing about it. We're like, let's make it happen. And, um, you know, the first game we're out there, I think there was a pitching change and Brian Gibble was in center. I said, good, he looks to your left and right. You ever think you'd play with these guys in the outfield? <laughs> and, you know, just, just to see that, you know, how, how much works, I know how much work it takes to get out there and just to see the way Vaughn's been doing it all year. And, um, you know, obviously swinging the bat as well as, you know, I have, the utmost respect for it because I know exactly what it's like. And, um, and the second part with the veteran, I mean, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's about going to them. Um, you know, it's not their responsibility to, to come to us and, and, you know, give pieces of advice. It's, it's about us to pick their brain. And, you know, obviously you, you do it in a respectful manner and you go up to them and, but, you know, between, you know, Yasmani and, and Abreu just, you know, kind of talking me through some things, giving me game plans, um, you know, I, I get a lot of game plans from Yasmani. He pulls me into the video room, video room all the time, and you know we'll watch his at bats and how guys pitch to him. And um, you know, as a catcher as well, he's just got a, a great baseball mind. And then Abreu will will watch some video with me as well at bats. And guys like that, that you know, one that do it at the highest level, um, you know, an MVP level, All Star level for both of them. It's you know, it's silly not to to listen to them and, and want to pick their brains more. Um, but, you know, for them to just be always open to it and, and, you know, kind of excited when you come to them, that's, that's pretty cool. And uh, they've been willing to help. And that's what it's about. That's, it's about helping your teammates out. And, um, you know, I, I want to be in the same shoes as them as, you know, giving advice to younger guys when, when I'm their age and, um, you know, hopefully done half of what they've done in their career. You told me on the field the other day that you've done some work with Jim Tomey and you watched a lot of his video. Uh, for for people who are Sox fans, they love Jim Tomey. What about Tomey has he imparted to you? What do you love about him? From the beginning, you know, I think the biggest thing in baseball besides, you know, what you can teach someone is is instilling confidence. And, you know, from the beginning, he's, he's instilled so much confidence in myself. Um, 
just the way he talks to me, the way, you know, supports me and, um, you know, just consistently says, you know, I think you're going to be great. You're going to, you're going to do it. You're going to, you've got all the abilities and, um, man, that, that goes a long way. And, you know, not, there's, there's a ton of advice you can give mechanics, all that stuff, but just giving someone confidence, especially when it's a guy like Tommy, um, you know, for, to hear him say that stuff to me, it, it allowed myself to even believe it even more. Um, and, and then to get into the, the baseball side, I mean, you know, we, him and I would hit almost every day in, in spring training and one of the nicest people, if not the nicest I've ever been around. I mean, just an unbelievable guy. Um, and to pick his brain every day and, and do the drills that he did and, you know, obviously have similar swings, similar builds, um, you know, just to, to pick his brain and say, okay, what, what was their thought process with runners on? You know, what did you think about when you're going through this? When your swing felt like this, what did you do? And um, to have drills he would do, and, you know, I still can text or call him at any time, he always says. And um, he was here the Minnesota series when I first got called up and played. And, I mean, it was just he, – he was as proud as anyone when I came in and um, gave me a huge hug. And, you know, obviously the first night and then the first home run the next night, he was – he was just thrilled. And, um, yeah, he's just, he's been a huge part of my career, um, especially with the White Sox. And yeah, I can't thank him enough. So I know you grew up in a baseball family and we'll let you go here in a minute, but, uh, and you've been around all these people, but do you ever look at your phone and go, look at all these people in my phone? Um, (laughs) I try not to. Uh, I have, is Cal in your phone as just Cal or Cal Ripken Jr.? Uh, he's in his Cal. So, so your phone says Cal. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. It, it, that's that's more so that if someone got my phone, they wouldn't know. Um, got or it. If, or if I got a text or something. Um, but I'm sure they could kind of piece it together. <laughs> You know, there are a lot of kids at the Gilman School today who would love to just have Cal in their phone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Gavin, you are um, such a a well-adjusted, mature guy, uh, not just for your age, but in general, because there are a lot of people older than you, uh, probably the two guys who are talking to you today who are not nearly as mature. Um, But keep that. Um, it's going to take you a long way and it's been such a pleasure to watch you do your thing. And, uh, I can speak for Jason here that, uh, we're just so thrilled for all your early success and, uh, we know a lot more of it's coming. Thank you so much. You guys have been uh, awesome the whole way and I appreciate the support and let's, let's keep this going for a little bit longer. huh? <laughs> yeah. And go Deeks. Go Deeks. <laughs> Gavin Sheets. Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 